You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. How's everybody? I think they're awake in this one. I like it. Yeah, look out. Good to see you. Happy not summer's over yet. That's <laughs> why I, I love Nora because fall comes and she's so excited. And I'm like, oh, and it brightens my day. So it's good. Um, well, we are in the middle of this teaching series called God in Search of Us. We're going to pick up the story at Genesis chapter 12. Uh, with Abram. Let's read together this morning. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Well, we have been learning throughout this teaching series that Christianity is not our search of God, as some have suggested. Rather, it's the history of God's search for us. From the beginning, ever before there was space and time, God created space and time for a a people to dwell in, to live in, to do life with God. That's what God was looking for all along, a people to love and to do life with. And along the way, in the middle of a tree anyway, or near a tree, we should say, uh, God gave a set of family rules. And how many know that have ever created family rules? The family rules at some point get broken. That's exactly what happens. So Adam and Eve, they decide to be the management rather than God. We know better than you. And the good news is that even though they broke the command, God went and found them in their sin. That's God's search for us The struggle isn't just that, uh, you know, this is Adam and Eve's story. This is our story. And rather than trust God, we tend to run and hide from God. And yet the beauty is 
God comes and searches for us. And last week, Pastor Amy did a great job of weaving together three different strands that happen in the book of Genesis, which follow thereafter. The story of Cain and Abel, the story of a farmer who says, you know what, I don't like it that my brother's blessed and I'm not, so he takes his brother out. The story of Noah, which after surviving a flood, cataclysmic flood, ends up drunk and his kids find him, which is a bummer. And then, of course, the story of Babel, which is a tower that ascends into the heavens and says to God once again, we don't need you. We can run things just fine down here. The same story repeats itself over and over again. And the same chaos ensues, the same kind of chaos that we see in the world now, whether we talk about disease or violence or struggles that people have on uh, New Circle Road on the way home from work. You know, it's the same story which repeats itself over and over again as Ecclesiastes says. There's really nothing new under the sun. This is the way that it, it is. And the struggle really goes back to what we said the first week. Our tendency is to try to figure out a new how-to. How do I do this? How do I navigate the world? That's why the self-help market for books is millions and millions of dollars every year. And really all along what we're missing is the who. The who is God. And that's the connection to Genesis chapter 12, people trying to navigate the how-tos of this world, the gods, uh, and, and along the way, what they do is they miss the who, the God in charge of everything. And it reminds me, there are all kinds of gods in the ancient world. I mean, the ancient world, whether it was the sun or the moon or the stars or the god of a certain lake or, you know, there's uh, uh, gods for certain festivals. If you were to dive into Greek or Roman mythology, there's a god for everything. My favorite one, of course, is that the goddess of small animals is also the goddess of the hunt. <laughs> How does that work out? I don't know, but there's a god for everything in the ancient world. Uh, and the point is that, you know, in the ancient world, it's a very spiritual world. There's a God for everything. And navigating these gods, navigating the world was very much important to your success, your well-being, your family's health, all of these kinds of things, because your life revolved around visiting these gods, making sacrifices, making sure that they were appeased. And the biggest struggle was they never talked to you. They never told you, hey, we're good. You don't bring any more. And so life revolved around these gods. In the center of almost every city in the ancient world were two things. No, it was not a Chick-fil-A. You'd have a palace and a temple. And those two things, all of life revolved around. And so if you were to go to the land of Ur the Chaldees, the land of Abram, you would find there this ziggurat or temple to the moon god Nana. Say it with me, Nana. Nana. Yeah, so Nana also had a fellow brother god named Boo Boo. And if you won a game, you would recite the incantation, Nana, Nana, Boo Boo. <laughs> no, that's not really how it worked. There was no Boo Boo. But there was a moon god, Nana. And Nana was kind of at the center of civilization, and the reason was Nana was important not only for your health and well-being, it was important for the harvest, for fertility, for phases of the moon. In fact, the cycle 
uh, that Nana allegedly gave the ancient Mesopotamians was a 30-day cycle around, all of li- around which all of life revolves. Guys are particularly familiar with this 30-day cycle. I'm going to back up right now and not explore that any further. And all of life revolves around this. And in the land of Ur, right adjacent to it, I should say, is a place called Haran. And Haran is the place that we meet Abram's dad, whose name is Terah. Now, Terah had been feeling a leading to leave his land, to leave the land of Nana, to leave a a land that revolves around 30-day cycles, to go to a place called Canaan. And so Terah, at some point, left Ur, ends up in Haran, loses a son, and we might say that he sort of stopped halfway or a little less than halfway on his journey to wherever it is that he was feeling led in Canaan. And there's a stop, a question we have to stop and reflect on. Was Terah stuck? Was he stuck? Why didn't he go? Why didn't he go? Now maybe we could say it was he would have had to leave uh, his family. And in the ancient world, as much as we love family now, family was everything. Everything revolved around the patriarch or, or the father. And the father took care of his sons, his daughter-in-laws, and their children. And so it would be almost unthinkable for uh, the father to leave. He'd have to take his whole family with him. Maybe that was part of the reason. Or maybe the bigger reason that Tara could never go any further was that all of life revolved around this moon god. It was the way that you navigated the world around you. And so to leave the moon god, to leave the moon god's protection, the moon god's provision, would be almost unthinkable. It'd be uprooting yourself and taking yourself out of everything that you could ever possibly know. That would have been it. And the reason I share all of this with you is to help you understand the radical nature of Abram's call. Look at what the scriptures say again. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, how many people know that's the hardest part? Because we can talk about it, we can form a committee, we can build some PowerPoints, we can have some discernment meetings, but to go, how many people know that's hard? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, we tend to make this story very much about Abram, and it is. But even more so, it's about God. Who's doing the blessing? Who's doing the calling? God. Leave everything that you know, Abram. Leave your way of navigating the ancient world. Leave the 30-day cycle that your life revolves around. Leave the temple that you know. Leave your father. Leave your father's gods. Leave all of that junk behind and follow me to a place that you've never even seen a brochure for. And notice this radical command, go, walk, Leave it all, and I'll bless you. And people will be blessed by me through you. And if they take you on, oh, 
I'm going to put the holy smack down. And notice what the scriptures say. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was how old? 75. How many people in the room just got a little nervous? Now, how many people, show of hands, honesty convention here for a moment, how many people think Abram was a little crazy to go? I'm, I'm with you. I mean, first glance, it's like, what? You're going to leave everything that you know, your father, your father's gods, your way of understanding and navigating the world to go to this place that you've never been to before. So we have to ask ourselves, well, why did he go? And it starts with something incredibly profound and yet simple at the same time. There's a God who speaks. Because in the ancient world, you go to these temples and you do the 30-day cycles, but no God ever speaks to you. This God speaks. This God makes promises. This God says, I'm going to bless you. And so he goes at 75. Now, in the ancient world, 75 was like a way of saying he had lived a completely full life. Abram had done it. And God says, no, I'm not done yet. That was just the first half of your life. The second half of your life is getting ready to begin. I wonder how many people we have here today who go, man, I'm retired. (laughs) And here's the good news. No, you're not. Because God's not done with you yet. Because as long as you have breath, as long as you're part of this age, of this creation, God's not done with you yet. There's still more to come. The second half is even better than the first. That's what the call of Abram begins to show us. And so that's exactly what happens. He leaves with Sarai, his wife, with Lot, his nephew, his stuff, and they go to the land of Canaan. And notice what the Scripture says. When they come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the, okay, so at a tree, and at the time when the Canaanites were in the land, then the Lord, that's a pretty big deal when God shows up, are you with me? So the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I'll give this land, so he built there and to the Lord who had appeared to him. Fascinating. We have to ask ourselves here, what is it that's happening? And realize that God had spoken to Cain, God had spoken to Noah, but when was the last time that people saw God face to face? At a tree in a garden called Eden. And so what is it that God is doing? Well, God shows up at a tree and says, I'm getting ready to do something new. Let's go. And it's not, it's not at the beginning of the journey. It's not in the middle of the journey. And we need those people to help us, right? Precious Lord, take my hand. Let's go. But it's at the end. If you follow me, if you go all the way to where I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm going to bless you. And what is it that happens to Abram? But God appears to him at a tree. And Abram, what's his response? His response is trust. It's faith. He builds an altar and he worships there. Where Adam and Eve chose not to trust at a tree, Abram's showing us I can have faith and start something new and trust God. Here's the struggle, though. He builds an altar there, just like the same kind of stuff that he knew back in his hometown. And I suspect the the, the desire would have been to hang out there for just a bit. 
And that's how we kind of approach God, right? If I, if I do A and B, I'm going to get C every time. And how many people have figured out in their lives that that's not the way that God works? He seems to never do the same thing twice. And yet our desire for predictability and safety and just get me through my 75 years without any bumps or bruises or problems along the way, good luck with that. God's not done yet. See, if it's all about predictability and safety and security, there's no need for trust, is there? Really, all we're doing is living it out. Trust presumes, I don't know what's coming next. I want you to appear again. I want you, God, to reveal yourself to me. I want to know what it is that you desire. I want to know your heart. I want to know you personally. I want to follow you wherever you're leading me. I want to join you in whatever it is that you're doing. Now, the good news is that Abram, he kept going. Look at the passage. It says, From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I, or some people say Ai, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now, I want to ask you a question here this morning. I want to make sure we're, we're, we're tracking here. So when Abram comes to the promised land, by the oak, by the tree, God does what? He he appears. Now notice, and, and Abram builds an altar there. He worships. So Abram thinks, I'm going to just follow the same plan. Are you with me? So he goes on. There's Bethel on the west, I on the east, and he builds an altar. But what's missing? Does God appear? Nope. Now here's the best part of the story. The name Bethel, you might also say it Bethel. It means house of God. So Abram has pitched his tent with the house of God on the west, and the name I means heap of ruins on the east. He's literally pitched his tent between the house of God and the heap of ruins. How many people feel like that's where you live some days? Are you tracking with me? Somewhere between the house of God and the heap of ruins. That's where Abram is, and he's calling on the name of God, and does God show up? Nope. So the question is, what do we do in those moments? What do we do? I mean, he's stuck at the same place his father was long ago, halfway to where he's supposed to go. But his father, he stopped. The scriptures tell us in Genesis chapter 11 that he stopped in Haran. What's Abram going to do somewhere between the house of God and a heap of ruins halfway along the journey when, God's not sh- when God hasn't shown up? And the beautiful part is, I put it in hot pink because I don't want you to miss it. These three wonderful words. What does it say? And Abram, oh, let's go. Now that's faith. That's trust. That's the kind of radical and ruthless trust that God's looking for. When you don't hear, when you don't see, when you don't have the brochure, when there isn't the PowerPoint presentation to wrap it all up, that you keep going. And I'm not talking about, well, we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I'm talking about God gives us faith 
and when we don't see, when we don't feel it, when we're not into it, we keep following. See, before, the question was, how am I like Adam and Eve? I'll tell you, there are days out on New Circle Road I can be just like Adam and Eve. And yet at Genesis chapter 12, a new question comes to us. When God comes and finds us and calls us, the question is really this, how can I be more like Abram or Sarai? To keep going, to keep trusting, to keep following. And that's what makes this search, God's search for us so different. We're called to leave what's old, what's known, what's predictable, the gods of this world, to follow the God of the universe. Not a God who sits in temples and says, all right, I'm waiting for you, but the God who is always out doing something, always out going somewhere. Some of you in this sanctuary, you think, man, I'm 75 or whatever the number is. I've done it. It's not over yet. Some of you are somewhere halfway along the journey in your own life. You know, I went down to the altar and I prayed or, you know, I'm in a ministry or whatever. I've done it. It's not over yet. Some of you have been trying to get God's attention doing the same thing the same way over and over again at the same altar. And here's the thing. God's saying, I'm up ahead. I've been calling you. Let's go. I want to lead you, and I want you to follow me. The question is, will you join him? And that's us, church. I think we're at this beautiful and yet very dangerous place right now because we're somewhere like Abram was, pitching our tent between the house of God and a heap of ruins. And we can stay here and it'll be okay. Or we can follow and trust God for what's ahead. Who are you inviting to be part of the journey with you? How are you serving? Who are you sharing your faith with? Are you in a Sunday school class or a small group that meets in people's homes? Because these marks of discipleship, they help us stay on the path. They help us continue to follow God. I'm really pleased to share with you that uh, we'll be having the first Global Methodist Church Mid-South Summit here, mid-September. Some of you may have already heard a bit about it through uh, our e-blast or newsletter. I think it's pretty cool that we get to host the first conference here at St. Luke. That's a pretty great honor and privilege. And for me anyway, and I hope it feels this way for you, I feel like God is up to something new. And I'm excited about what's next. And one of the ways we can show our excitement and dive into what's next is take the opportunity for our guests who are going to be coming here to see what a church that loves well is all about. Let me tell you why that's important. Because I think that there are a million and one people living in this world, somewhere between 
the house of God and a heap of ruins, and they need a great church, not just like St. Luke, but like all the churches around the Mid-South that we're going to host that day. So let's love them well, and we need your help to get involved, to be part of what God is doing. Use the link in your e-blast or sign up in the front lobby, but take a shift, and let's show people the love of God, the, the love of God that has changed our hearts, has changed our lives, the love of God that's leading us to wherever it is that God would have us go next, to do the things that God has in store next. Great days, friends. I've been saying they're coming. I'm saying they're here. Let's go. Let's go. Take a brother or sister by the hand and say, let's go. Pull them out of the pew. Pull them out of their neighborhood. Pull them out of whatever house of God and heap of ruins place they're at in life and say, come on, let's go. And let's follow. Let's follow to where God is leading us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you show us in the history of Abram's life how you show up at the most beautiful times and you remind us of your faithfulness. You remind us that you're a God who is always on the move, a God who's leading us somewhere. And so we pray that in these days which are here and are yet ahead, that you will give us the faith of Abram to follow you to trust you. We realize that that roadmap isn't always clear. The beauty is you've given us your spirit. You've given us one another in the church. Strengthen us to be your people. And we pray that you would use us. We boldly pray you would use us to change the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.